This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about giving. Pastor's been doing a series talking about giving and trusting and what God is doing in our lives. And uh, so today I finished, I finalized my stuff and man, I was ready to preach this about 10 o'clock this morning. In fact, I told it to a couple of them. They were like, wow, that's really good. And I said, yeah, I got more. And they're like, we've got work to do. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me walk away. But I came back and told them more later. But I'm telling you, God is doing something amazing. And tonight he's gonna help us because I want you to understand this. Pastor Storm will tell you the exact same thing. When he stands up here, the stuff that he's preaching is not just something he's trying to get you to do. It's something that the Lord has been working through him and teaching him so that he can share his faults and his shortcomings to be able to say, listen, you can do this. You can do this because I know this. I heard a sermon this week from a gentleman who was a great pastor, led an incredible church and kind of got involved with some things he shouldn't have and had to be let go of the church. God has come back and restored him. He's a big Clemson Tigers fan. And uh, this last football season, just a little while ago, the Clemson Tigers won the national championship. But with two minutes left in the game, they were down to Alabama. People said Alabama can't be beat. They're the best in the world. They could beat NFL teams. They're the best team in this. Nobody can beat these guys. But the thing about it, with two minutes left, there's still time on the clock. And God's still got something he can do. With time on the clock, there's still an opportunity. And that's what I kept getting is that the Lord is telling me, listen, there's still time on the clock. You still got an opportunity. You still got great things I want to do in you and through you. Amen? Amen. So let's receive that. Let's, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We ask for your blessing and peace upon the message tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would help me to speak it with simplicity and clarity. Father, that through your word, you would be able to share just visions and understandings and, and illustrations, whatever it is that may drive home points that we can understand the truth of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Father, we ask for your blessing and your peace upon all those that hear your word. Help us to receive it, help us to live it, and help us to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is going to be back there in the New Testament. We're going to stay mostly in the New Testament, which is good. We'll stick around right in there because I believe Jesus points out a lot of amazing things in our life right here. And so if you're taking notes, the title of the message is God, do it again. Just like the song we sang, God, do it again, do it again, do it again. Because you know what? In my life, I have seen God supernaturally do some things. But you know what? I'm going to point today that I'm standing here saying, God, I need you to do it again. I need you to do it again, God. I know that you're a mountain-moving God. I need you to do it again. And so we're gonna read, we're gonna start right here in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verse six. And it says this, it says, so we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place. Now this is a letter, Let let me help you to understand what's going on right here. So this is Paul, he's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. The church of Corinth is one of the greatest churches that they'd had around. People were always talking about this church. Oh, it's amazing. They're doing this and they're doing this and they're doing this. So Paul is writing a letter to them. And he's writing this here and he's talking about Titus, a Titus who was gifted in encouragement. He was an incredible pastor, incredible speaker. 
So here he is talking. He says, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Go on to verse seven. It says, since you excel in so many ways. Now listen to how good this church is in your faith. Paul recognizes this. He's recognizing that this church is recognized. Hey, you guys have an incredible amount of faith. He's saying you're gifted speakers. You have incredible pastors. Sounds like our church, right? There we go. Keep going. There we go. Yeah, there we go. And then your knowledge, your knowledge, you, you, you just, you know the word, you study it, you speak it, you preach it, you know this stuff. It's amazing to hear this. And then he continues to go, your enthusiasm. It's not just, hey, here we are at church. It's like, hey, man, we are at church. There's no better place that I'd rather be on a Wednesday night than here at Faith Christian Family Church. We're excited about these things. And he's going on and he says this last part and he says, your love from us. An ability to love those that are around them. But he gets on to this next verse right here. And I want you to catch this. The last part of it, it says, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Now you go back and you say, man, these were some pretty good people. There's a lot of churches that would say, well, I just want to have great faith. I want to have great knowledge. I want to have great speakers. I want to have great this. But Paul didn't sit back and say, I just don't want you to be great in one thing. I want you to be the greatest in all things. I want you to have a heart to say, I want to be the best at giving. I want to be the best at this. I want to be the best at that. I remember years ago studying who I believe was the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan used to look, and and the thing about it, he wasn't the greatest because he could score the best. He wasn't the greatest because he could dunk the best. He wasn't the greatest because he could do this. He was the greatest because he looked at every person who was the best at that thing and said, I want to be better than them. I want to look at this person who's a great rebounder. I want to be better than them. This person who's a great defensive player, I want to be better than them. This person who can pass to anybody, I want to be better than them. And that was his goal, not to be, oh, I just want to be the good one overall. I want to be the best at all these. And I think that that heart and that passion is exactly what God has put inside of each of us. Not only do I want you to love, because we have some incredible people who love. Man, I will tell you this. I have people tell me all the time, the moment they walk in these doors, they're like, they didn't judge me. They, they, They didn't look at me funny. They just welcomed me. They encouraged me to come on in. Come on in. Welcome. Man, we're so glad you're here. Literally felt like they loved me. We have people who are speaking the word and sharing a Pastor Stormy and his messages. Great speakers. We have those things. But we need to continue to encourage in other areas. We need to be better, you know, in this. And we can be better in this. And I know I'm saying this for me personally. I can do a little better at studying. I can do a little better at speaking. I can do a little bit better at giving. I can do a little bit better at these things. But the thing is, if I don't get around people that help me in those areas, I'm going to settle for being mediocre. But that's not what God has for us. That's why I love this statement of what he says right here. I want you. Now put yourself in that boat. Do you love people? Do you care about people? Do you study the word? Do you get in faith? Do you believe God? How's your giving? I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. So he continues to teach us and help us to understand right here. Paul wants us to be the best because he knows what goodness and great things are inside of you still. There are so many amazing things right there. Skip over to verse, or just to the right on chapter nine. 
We're going to start in verse 6. And so he's continually talking about it, and he's talking about these things because we have to remember where everything comes from. Verse 6 says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But, gener- but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who is a cheerful, who gives cheerfully. Verse eight, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse nine, as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide. Catch that. He will provide. But this is how good God is. And increase. And increase. Well, that sounds good. He's just talking about a farmer. He's talking about this. No, he's talking about you and I. The seed that we sow is not, we're going out to farm. Some of you may be farmers and you understand this, but understand the seed that we sow is the tithe, is the giving, is the representative of saying, God, I understand this is a seed and I'm putting it into the ground and recognizing what you're doing through it. But then he continues, I love this. He will provide for everything that you've given and increase your resources and then Produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Catch this. This is what we do. So two things, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem or the needs of believers in Faith Christian Family Church will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Now, I want you to understand this. My children are with Pastor Jordan right now. Pastor Jordan is teaching them about the word of God. And that is because of your giving that my children are not sitting here fighting with each other, but they are in an atmosphere where they can get individually ministered to because you're willing to support. And I wanna say thank you for that. I have parents that come and tell me how their teenagers would go to no other place but to here. And because they've come here, they've recognized that God is real, that God is doing something in their lives and that they are changing the way that they speak, the way that they live, the way that they honor. Everything is being changed. And they look and they say, thank you for what you do on Wednesday nights. What you sow is a great generous gift that goes throughout this church the babies in the nursery, the ones that are being taught right now that it's okay to have fun in church, but it's also amazing to learn how great God is. I love to hear parents that say, you know, I really didn't want to come tonight, but my kids told me, we got to go to church. We're doing this. We have to go to church. I'm like, high five to those kids and high five to the teachers who've invested their time into that. It's a generous spirit. It's about saying, you know what? There's something a little bit more to it than just this. But God helps us to understand, if you're to read all of chapter eight, he also says this, be smart with the way you give. You may have an incredible, gracious heart that says, I just wanna give all my money away. Well, is that what God has asked you to do? 
Because if that's not what God has asked you to do, don't, don't give all your money away because then you're going to have no place to live. You're going to have nothing to eat. But he said, be smart. He did say, start with a tithe. That's 10%. Trust him in that area. But if he lays it on your heart to say, you know what? I'm going to sow into something else. I'm going to sow into the youth ministry. I'm going to sow into the children's ministry. I'm going to sow into the missions. I'm going to sow into this. God continues to take those. And he says, I will provide your need and increase so that you can become even more generous. Amen. I receive that. I think that's an incredible thought right there. But I think a lot of times when we walk through this, when we talk about giving, sometimes we shut it off because we don't understand it. I know for years of my life, I always used to look at things and say, okay, if I make $100 a week and my bills come to $99, how am I going to give $10 at the beginning? There's no way that I can make it if I give $10. But I will tell you this. If I become a good steward, giving God back to what is his, sowing the seed and becoming generous, God said he'll take care of all my needs and increase. I can't tell you how many people in this room right now would sit back and say, I don't know how, because on paper, I shouldn't make it to the end of the month. But every time I make it to the end of the month, I still have money in the bank account. I don't know how. I really don't. Nothing makes sense to me. But I do know this. The more I tithe to God, the more I honor God, the more I bless God, the more I return to God, what is his, the more seed that I sow, the more harvest continues to come. We receive that. We step forward and we trust God in those areas. God is doing something great. And so I want you to understand this, that when you give, you're giving to a place that God freely moves in the lives of children, students, young adults, adults, moms, dads, aunts and uncles, sinners, believers, and et cetera. Every single person that you sow into, it's giving them an opportunity to worship the one true, true God. But you have to make the decision to say, I choose that. I choose to do that. I'm going to help you understand this because the number one thing that we have to learn about, we have to recognize where we're at. And so turn with me to James chapter four, and he's going to help walk us through a process right here. James is back to the right just a little bit. If you get to Revelations, it's back to the left. If it helps anybody, mine's on page 1,153. So that helps you get where you need to go. James chapter four, we're going to start in verse one. And it's going to be right up here on the screen if you don't get there quick enough. But I want you to listen to this and I want you to Walk through this process. So the first thing that we go through right here, verse one, it says this, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? How many times do you ever ask your kids that? What are you fighting about? What are you fighting about? What is it typically around? She has my thing. He's doing this to me. It's all, and, and really what it comes down to is, it's all about me and it's all about them. They're wanting to do what they want to do, and I want to do what I want to do. They're not giving me this. How many of you had to teach your children how to say mine? How many of you sat down and go, okay, now we're going to do a lesson real quick. I'm going to teach you this. This is yours. This toy is yours. If somebody gets it, the first thing that comes out of your mouth needs to be mine, mine, mine. No, I didn't teach my kids that. I didn't teach him that. I was like, no, actually, it's mine. Actually, it's, it is mine. I paid for it. But I gave it to you. You get to you. But, you know, when we take that in, we start looking at that. Okay, so as a baby, we didn't have to teach him. It's mine. We have to teach them that it's not theirs, that they can learn to share, that they can learn to be generous, and that they can learn to give. It's a natural instinct. So when you ask that question, 
What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Selfishness. It's mine. It's my idea. This is the way I want to think. This is the way I want to believe. This is the way I want it. I, 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 mine, me, all about me. Look at me. Ta-da, here I am. It's me, it's me, it's me. Because that's really the selfish nature that we are. But I want you to listen. Continue to go to this. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? How many of you still struggle with that? I know I do. There are certain things that I'm like, no, I want to do this, but my family wants to do this. So I fight back and forth. Do I do that or do I become selfish and all about me? I don't want to go eat at that place. I don't like seafood. I'd rather eat this, but my family likes to eat seafood. So I'm going to go suffer to sit down there. I don't really want to. I want to go eat my food because it's about me. We go through these and we battle these. This is an internal battle, but I want you to catch this. Verse two, it says this, you want what you don't have. Listen to this, and I want you to put yourself in this picture because I had to do this today. I've done this for the past couple of weeks. So you scheme and kill to get it. Maybe deceive, manipulate to get what you want. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Catch what that just said right there. People get blessed in our culture every day. People get mad because they get blessed. But then the Lord walks me back to this verse and says, you have not because you ask not. Did you ask for that? They've been praying and fasting for that for years. You're just seeing the fruit of what was sown years ago. Yeah, but I want that. Yeah, but I think I should get that. No, you have not. Because you ask not. What God's simply saying is come back and trust us. So verse three, and even when you ask, okay, so now I'm gonna pray. Now I'm gonna do this. You don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Why do you want more money? Why do you want a bigger house? Why do you want a nicer car? Why do you want a new job? You gotta ask those questions. You gotta ask those things because in all reality, it's not about the job. It's not about the house. It's not about the car. I can look around at different people in this, in this place and say, they've got a brand new car and it's amazing. And I can also look at someone else and say, they've had a car, the, last, the same car for the last 40 years. They're good with it. It's not about the car. It's not about all these other things. It's the motives behind it. But then he comes back down to this. He says, because your motives are all wrong, you want only what will give you pleasure. So it comes back to the selfish thing. So what God is talking about right here is a lot of times we get into this selfish thing, this selfish, all about me. You simply have because you you ask not, so you receive not. But if we'll come back to what God is saying, so now coming back to the finances, what we're talking about here, because you may sit back and say, well, this, how, how's this all tied together? Ask yourself the question, if you tithe, why do you tithe? If you don't tithe, why don't you tithe? I can tell you this personally in my life, the reason I tithe is because the Lord simply said, tithe, tithe to my storehouse. I have done this since I was 17 years old. Why at 17? Because I didn't know the Lord before I was 17. So when I met the Lord, accepted Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I started tithing. I can still remember when I was in college and I got blessed with financial aid, this thing called the Pell Grant, greatest thing ever invented. My, I, I loved it. They gave me money to go to school. I had a baseball scholarship and they gave me money. And I remember I got $700 for the first time. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, man, I am rich. Let's go buy buildings. Let's go buy, you know, I didn't know. Let's go buy a new car. Do those things. And I was going through in my head of what all I could do. But I remember the first thing came back. Are you going to honor me? And I remember I went to church that Sunday and I took $70 out. And I wrote it down there and I gave it. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't come from a lot of money. My parents, the reason why you get Pell Grant is because your parents don't make a lot of money. So that's why I got the Pell Grant. So for me, it was something I'd never had before. And I had an opportunity to choose. Do I honor God? Do I not honor God? But this is what God is coming back to. The motives that you have, I didn't do it because I wanted more. I did it because I want to honor God. Because ultimately, it's not about me. It's not about my wants and desires right now. Because in all reality, I have an iPhone. I saved for six months to buy an iPhone. Every little odd end job that I could find, I would do. I did some weddings. I gave baseball lessons. I did everything I could. I saved money, and I bought an iPhone. That was iPhone 6. It was the Plus, the big one, the mini iPad, the mini, mini iPad. But it's the big old phone. And I remember saving for those things. But you know what happened about three months after I got that phone? The stupid people brought an iPhone 6S out. They brought a new one out. You know what happened about eight months later after that? They brought another new one out. You know what they just announced? There's another new one coming. If my motives were based on that phone being my joy and my peace, I would be miserable today. It's just a phone. It's the truth. So what do you choose to follow after? This and trust what he has? Or is it the gadgets? Is it the things? Is it everything that you have in your life? Are you willing to say, if God came to you today and said, would you, would you still serve me if nothing changed from this moment for the rest of your life? Would you still serve me? That question had to be asked to me a couple of years ago. And I remember walking through it and it was simply like this. So imagine this section over here. This is what we'll call the faith section right over here. This stage, part of stage. That part of the stage over there is the fear. Because the opposite of faith is fear. Fear motivates you to do some things that you'd never normally do. Faith motivates you to do some things you'd never think you could do. So a lot of us live in this thing called fear. And what I mean by this is we base our reality out of what we see today. What do you see today? Well, when you got home, what did you do? You went to the mailbox and you got this things out. Letters. And you're like, remember when you were a kid and you used to love to get something in the mail? Now you're an adult. You don't like getting anything in the mail because you know that you're going to have to pay for something. We go out there. My kids love it. They're like, hey, I'll go get the mail. And they bring it in. And here, dad, you got a bunch of this. Oh, thank you. There's Atmos. There's LPNL. There's US Bank, whatever, you know, and it's just, we're going through all this stuff. I don't, ah. So then I have to sit down, I plan out everything, and I walk through this process. And you know what the first thing that comes on my mind? God's faithful. He can do it all. Nope. God, man, I have to pay a lot of money. Man, oh, I'm sitting here looking at this stuff, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it. And you know what my attitude turns to? Fear. I don't know if we're going to make it this month. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know. I, looking at what I see, there is no way that we can make it. Wait a minute. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Okay, God, I need your help. I need your help. This is where we're at. Okay, here you go. And I present it before the Lord. 
And the problem is, the first thing that comes out of my mouth after that is I look back at the bills and I go, I don't know how we're going to make it. And you know what I do? I'm making my way to faith. I take a step right back to fear. And I live in this perpetual fear of what may come, the fear of the unknown, the I'm not sure how this is going to work. We come in here and we sing songs and we're like, we feel good when we leave church. But when we get out in the world, we wonder about why. Why is it that I don't feel the same way I do in church? The problem is, is that we're in here singing about faith. Yes, God, you'll do it again. You'll do it again. A mountain moving faith and you'll do it again. Man, we're ready to fight anybody. Yeah, bring Goliath on. I'll take him. I got this. I got this. And we spend 10 minutes out in the world around negativity, negativity, negativity. And you know what we do? We don't live in faith. We move to fear. Because all we hear is negative things. We hear about this. Well, I don't know how you're going to make it. You know what? God can do it. Yeah, I don't know if that's really true. No, no, no. I promise you, God really can do it. How do I know that? Turn with me to Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. Because I've got to look at this Bible and I've got to ask myself the question, do I really believe this? If I really believe it, then I've got to step forward and trust it. So what I do when I get in those moments of fear, I start over here and I pull out Mark 11 and I start pacing back and forth and I start walking around like this and I start going and I read verse 22. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, Who's he talking to? He's talking to the ones that love God. I love God. I worship God. I serve God. I'm not a pastor because I want the title. It doesn't matter to me. But I read this. Have faith in God. Yeah, but God, I got these bills. Have faith in God. Yeah, but God, I've got all this stuff coming up. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And I start speaking those things, have faith in God. And then I go to verse 23, it says, I tell you the truth. Hold up, this is the son of God. Father, son, the Holy Spirit, three and one, one and three. He is God sharing this with me. The same one that says in John 1, 1, the word became, he became the word and the word was there in the beginning. So if the word was there in the beginning, then I look at it and it said, I tell you the truth. This is coming directly from God. Now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to build something on the inside. It's like starting a fire. It starts small and it starts with the spark, starts with a flicker. But then he goes on to say this. He says, I tell you the truth. You can. All right, he's talking to me right here. He's not talking about Pastor Stormy, the man of faith who stands up here. He's not just talking about Bob Worth who believes God. He's not just talking about these guys that are out there. He's not talking about some missionary. He's not talking about just Billy Graham. Well, he stood in front of millions of people and worshiped God. And no, 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 he's talking about me. So he says this. He says, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. All right, well, we live in Lubbock, Texas. We don't have any mountains. We have hills. So I'm looking around at hills and I'm going, I got all these hills, but you know what? I realize this, I've got a mountain of debt. I've got a mountain of bills. I wonder if those mountains can move. I wonder if I speak to those mountains, something will happen. So I start speaking this faith and I start moving and it says this, and it will happen. Hold on, God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm 36 years old. I've never seen a mountain jump into a sea. 
in 36 years. Has anybody else? I mean, you guys may have seen them. I don't know. I, I'm sitting here now in my mind. I'm going, I don't know if this will really happen. But it said, I can do this. He says, I tell you the truth. If you'll have faith in God, you'll do this. Okay, now I start moving and I start walking and I start walking. And I start believing. And you know what I'm doing? I'm moving closer to faith. I'm moving closer to faith because I'm pulling this out. And it says this, but you really, but you must really believe it will happen. Well, if I really believe in God and I believe that what he says is true and what he says is true, then he must be able to do it. And if he can do it, then I must believe it. If I believe it, then he'll do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So now all of a sudden I start moving over here and I start walking. And it says, but you really must have faith. It will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So what do you do when doubt comes up? You know what doubt is? Doubt is fear. Doubt is fear. Fear is looking at those bills saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. Faith says, I'm looking at the word saying it's a mountain. I'm speaking to the mountain. The mountain's going. So all of a sudden we start saying this. We start walking it out. And it says, if you have no doubt in your heart, verse 24, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So I look at this and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This doesn't make sense because if I have faith and I do this, okay, I'm going to take my step and I'm going to do this. If I have faith, I'll trust you, God. Well, that's a tithe. So I trust God. I take my tithe and I say, God, I'm going to give this to you. I don't know how I'm going to make it, how we're going to make it, how we're going to do this, but that's okay because I have faith. And he says this, if you'll seek me today, I'll take care of tomorrow. Just trust me today. Trust me for today. Oscar, you guys can make your way up. But he comes down to this. We have two choices. We can live in faith or we can live in fear and everything that we deal with. Well, you know what I could do with that money? I could do a whole lot more, but I know this. God can do a whole lot more than I could ever do. So if I trust God and he says that I can move mountains, well, then I've got to trust him that I can move mountains. So he comes to this. And I read this statement the other day, and I thought, this is exactly what we do. This is written by a man named Charles Capps, and he struggled for years with his finances. And he said this. He said he was praying one day, and the Lord came to him and spoke this into his life. He said this. He said, I would appreciate it if you would quit telling me what the devil said. You've been praying for me to prosper you and get the devil off of you. I am not the one that is causing your problems. You are under an attack of the evil one and I can't do anything about it. You have bound me by the words of your own mouth. We step in fear. We step in faith and say, God, I'm going to tithe. But then you say, I don't know if God will do anything with the tithe. I don't know how he's going to make it. I don't know how. Well, all of a sudden we start moving to fear and we bind God. We gave the step of faith. But our words have bound us back to fear, which means that God can't move because we've bound him. So he continues to go this. And it's not going to get any better until you change your confession and begin to agree with my word. You are operating in fear and unbelief. You have established the words of evil, the evil one in your behalf. By your own mouth, you have released the ability of the enemy. You know, when I read this, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you've done that. Because I have this thing called stress that I deal with. I internalize a lot of things. I analyze a lot. And you know what bills do? They make you analyze a whole lot more. But I got to step in faith. So he goes on and he says this, if, you were, if I were to do anything about it, I would have to violate my word and I can't do that. So if you believe it with your heart, he simply says this, the reality that you have is your choice. 
These guys are going to sing that song again. And I want you to step forth. I want you to think about your finances as you're singing this. I want you to think about having a generous spirit. Because remember, Paul said this. You guys have great love. You have great knowledge. You have great speakers. You have great this. You have greatness. But I want you to excel in giving. I am so sad to hear that throughout America, the statistics say that 3% of churches give. 3% of every person who comes into the church is a giver. Not a tither, a giver. 3%. That means if we had 100 people in here, three of you tithe. I want to hear 100 tithe. Because I know this, if God says he can move mountains by faith, what can he do? Because he said this, I'll provide seed for the sower. What more can you do? What more, what dreams, what visions, what missions, what things do you have that God's put on your heart? That if you were 100% tithing in this place, that if every person would take it upon themselves and say, God, I'm going to trust you, what could we do? What could we do in Lubbock, Texas? Because I know this. He's a mountain-moving God. And if he's a mountain-moving God, we can move from fear to faith by making a decision and singing it out. He'll do it again. He will do it again. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.